0: going on everybody welcome to a round two recap of march madness this edition of wavelengths i'm again joined by ethan rose and theo backman since we last talked 48 hours a lot has changed the landscape of college basketball seems very different a lot of the blue buds are done and there's a lot to catch up on uh oral roberts their cinderella story continues loyola's back in the sweet 16 oregon state Iowa is out, Illinois is out, a lot has happened, but Theo thinks that Oregon State is crazier than Oral Roberts. And I'm very interested to see why you feel this way.
1: Yeah, I'll pose it this way. So I'm in my headspace. I'm going back a month ago and someone from the future is coming to me and they're telling me Oral Roberts made the Sweet 16. And I would break it down and there's some things that make some sense. You know, They're one of the best teams in their league. Um, I think they were the four seed in their conference tournament. So they had a chance. They have the leading score in the nation. And when you look at it, uh, they very, played a very difficult non-conference schedule. I think they played six teams that were in the tournament. That was a theme that I saw. A lot of the teams that pulled upsets, um, they played very difficult out-of-conference schedules. So if any mid-major coaches are listening to this podcast, schedule some tough opponents next year. Yeah. But th- like, if, if someone was to come, come to me and say, that Oregon state was in the sweet 16. I, it's not something I would have even been able to fathom. I, Oregon state, my entire life has never been good. They were outside of the Pac 12 picture. They had lost games to Portland earlier in the year. Like th- this run from Oregon state, I like, I'm, I couldn't have even imagined them being in the tournament and they've come to the tournament and they've won two games over really good teams and they've done it really convincingly. So I, I mean, I'm shocked that Oregon state is still here.
0: Yeah, but you kind of just said about Oral Roberts, Arkansas did do to a certain extent. And obviously because of COVID, you weren't able to play all the games you wanted to. But Arkansas played Oral Roberts, I think in December and Oral Roberts hung tough. And the reason why Arkansas did it was because they wanted to kind of get a feel for the teams that were in lower conferences, but would probably win. So they knew scheduling Oral Roberts that they might make the tournament, and then they could potentially still play each other. So it wasn't a bad move
1: by Arkansas at all. Mm-hmm. Ethan, I yeah, wanted... Arkansas—they played Abilene Christian and North Texas too. Uh, a bunch of the teams that won, are um, actually, on Arkansas' schedule. So wh- whoever's behind their scouting department, we need to hear more from them. <laughs> Ethan, what was your biggest
0: surprise from the round of 32?
2: Well, you have to start with Oregon State. I mean, Ethan Thompson yesterday completely took over the game, especially towards the end, making clutch free throws, clutch shots all over. It's clear that he's the, he's the leader on Oregon State. And it's so impressive to see one player just take over a tournament like this. Another player, love to go back to him. Buddy Beheim, another, mm-hmm. another great performance this past week against West Virginia, 25 points absolutely took over the second half. The first half he played a little weaker, a little weak, but towards the end of the second half, when his team needed him most, and especially when they started to get down by a little bit, uh, he took over and he stepped up huge towards the end of that, making a couple clutch free throws and just being the team leader. I, I I'm super excited to keep seeing Buddy Beheim go farther in this tournament. I know I mentioned it last podcast, but I mm-hmm. am in love with Buddy Beheim. So I do far.
0: just want to ask one quick question because it's relevant and I just want a quick answer. Who gets drafted higher? Buddy Beheim or Luca Garza?
2: It's gonna be Luca. Uh eh. I think it's going to be Luca. If the draft was
0: a week from today, I would say Buddy Bayheim. I would also say Buddy Beheim has the better NBA career.
1: I think someone's going to talk themselves into, like, Buddy Beheim being Duncan Robinson 2.0. I I think we can see that. That was the
0: comparison I thought of immediately. He's going to have a very similar role on an NBA team.
2: I guess I could see that. I mean... Luca is not really fit for the NBA center type, anyways. He can he's not that athletic, and he can't really play defense that well. So it's hard to see him getting picked, even like within the top 25. Even so, I I could see Buddy getting getting taken over Luca first.
0: I did mention Iowa. They are one of the surprise exits, and they are the second. Big 10 number 2 seed to be out. Alabama makes it, Houston makes it. Did this really expose the Big 10 this past weekend?
2: I think this was more of a just a bad showing from a from a conference that was a little overranked. I mean, you look at you look at the Big 10's non-conference schedule and it's still pretty impressive. The teams they played out of conference the, were highly classed ACC teams, and even Iowa played Gonzaga, Gonzaga hard down the stretch. So it's not like they played out of, their out-of-conference out of games that weekly, but it's just so weird to see all these Big Ten teams who were so highly thought of go down so quickly, especially against uh, – I mean, Loyola was good. Loyola is good. But Iowa losing to Oregon, that's a little weird. That was a- they got
1: ran out of the gym too. Like that game wasn't even really close for the second half.
2: Mm-hmm. And so- the, and it, the, and that was kind of a big part of it too. Is that we always knew that Iowa's defense was trash, but it finally mm-hmm. it finally showed that their offense just could not keep up with how bad their defense
0: is. I do now want to take a minute and say a couple apologies. First to the University of Illinois. I thought very highly of Illinois a short 48 hours ago. I thought Loyola Chicago did not deserve to win that game then. Obviously, now I do. And the second apology I would like to make is to X. For those of you who don't know, he is the owner of the sports wave. I heavily implied that VCU would have won if the game was played but the game wasn't played, and then they upset number two Iowa. So I've made my peace with both Illinois and X, and Mm -hmm. I hope to learn from this moment. So now that we're down to, well, the last game, Kansas-USC is being played with USC running it up, is there a favorite? Is it still going to be Gonzaga?
1: I still think it's Gonzaga, but Baylor looked very good against Wisconsin. Uh, I think those teams are on a collision course. That's who I had in my final. I kind of felt like they were on a collision course all year, and then Baylor hit a little bit of a hiccup. But, I mean, Mi- Michigan also looked very good today. Uh, I said I liked LSU. Um, L- LSU starting five competed, but LSU had five good players today, and Michigan had eight, and that that made the difference. So um, I would say Gonzaga, Baylor, and uh, I think Michigan has a chance too.
2: Yeah, I was very surprised about how well Michigan played, despite not having Isaiah Livers today. It was a very good showing. Their toughest matchup, honestly, in their brackets, probably going to be Florida State at this point, with Scotty Barnes and their really uh, hard-nosed offense. It's going to be that's going to be a very interesting matchup and seeing how each team lines up against it. But at the same time, it does. Look like it's we're heading for a Baylor Gonzaga matchup. They're both playing so well right now. And despite these upsets and despite these like Cinderella teams, I doubt either one is going to be able to stop these powerhouses at the moment.
0: Was there a team that won and is in the Sweet 16 that the blueprint to beat them is out there and just their first two opponents weren't able to expose it, Ethan?
2: oh yeah I think one of those teams is Houston personally Houston played Houston did not deserve to win against Rutgers if you won that game or if you watched that game they were so lucky to pull ahead and win at the final at the final minute there the turnovers by Rutgers at the end were quite embarrassing and it was really hard to watch if I be completely honest I think any team who's playing Houston I think Houston's the next big seed to go down I don't see how they're going to make another how they're going to go on a run at this point I think their blueprint of like playing hard defense on them and not allowing them to get into the paint was clearly shown against Rutgers and Rutgers played it well through the first 35 minutes, but the last five minutes, they kind of choked it away.
0: Theo, is there a team you think uh, is on upset watch going into the Sweet
1: 16? Right now, um, I I like all the top seeds right now. I like them in their matchup, which probably means a bunch of them are going to lose. But part of it might just be we kind of weeded out all the teams that do have weaknesses and now we're left with Gonzaga, Baylor, Alabama and Michigan and teams that don't really have a weakness. But I, I would agree with Houston. Uh, um, I, I don't know how they won that Rutgers game. I, I watched it. I was rooting for Houston in my bracket. I still have no idea how they won. Uh, if they're in that position again where where they need a basket, I just don't think they'll be able to get it. Uh, they basically like they weren't running good offense. They were just kind of loose balls were finding their way into Houston's hands. Offensive rebounds, um, I, I don't think that's re- replicable for them. So
0: I'm glad you both brought up Houston because the Houston-Syracuse Sweet 16 matchup is the one I'm most excited for. As Ethan said earlier, Buddy Bayheim's lights out shooting. And Houston's regular season ranked number two defense, they haven't played that well their first two games, but I really like that matchup. And Syracuse seems like that team that it's their destiny to make their final four as the 11 and like you guys alluded to Houston seems compromised right now so this seems like uh like you guys said collision course for another big upset and I think that that could also be the next big team to go down
2: I do have to bring up though Jero for the Houston Cougars pretty
1: performance please.
2: yeah he played so well down the stretch his one big three-pointer i don't even know how he played with that injured hip that was really impressive like that's a that's a performance where i was like geez that's something i would like to replicate in my own life that was <laughs> uh, that's a that's a performance and a half by jiro
0: and the syracuse houston matchup isn't the only two versus 11 we have the ucla bruins the alabama crimson tide UCLA has looked very strong. Their are three games that they've played already much better than I thought they ever played in the regular season in the PAC 12 tournament. So I think that Alabama also could be another big seed to go down, but they've also played very well and almost above expectations, even though they were the two seed. So that's another matchup that I think could steal the weekend.
2: Oh yeah, it was weird watching UCLA down the stretch. They lost four straight coming into the tournament. They were on no momentum whatsoever. Unlike like you you look at Oregon State and they had all the momentum in the world. They won the Pac-12. They were crushing it before the tournament started. On the other side, UCLA has had no momentum coming into this tournament. They barely squeaked in coming in as the play in four teams and yet they're killing it. They, they, I mean, they played Abilene Christian, which was a, it was an easier matchup, but they still beat a good Michigan state team and also a good BYU team that played Gonzaga hard down the stretch. It's interesting watching these this UCLA team and seeing how they come together. Especially especially Johnny Juzag. Johnny Juzag has been yes. crazy right now. It's so ha- much fun
1: watching. is as well. I, I think they were almost lucky to play in that play in game. Like no no one wants to draw the play in game, but like you were saying, they were they were a cold team. They got a couple days off, and then they they got that Michigan State game, and Juzang got going, and Hawkes, and Tiger Campbell. And they built some momentum with that with that big comeback win, and they just kept it rolling in the tournament. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're talking about the Pac-12 with the USC-Kansas game about over. We have a Pac-12 matchup in Oregon versus USC. That's kind of obviously two teams that didn't win the Pac-12, but this is a makeshift. Pac-12 championship with the chance to go to the the Elite Eight. And the Mobleys, you could argue, have been two of the better players in the tournament so far. Without them, USC does not make it this far. And their offense, when they're not on the court at times, seems lost. And Oregon played against one of the better offenses. They played them on defense perfectly. So I think that this is a matchup that's really going to be who just scores less, obviously that's how the game works. But I think that this is going to be whichever defense can stop the other team's biggest threat is going to win this game.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. This is a, in my opinion, these are the two best PAC 12 teams. I know Colorado got ranked higher, but I think I personally think that USC and Oregon are the two best Pac-12 teams at the moment. It's going to be a really fun matchup. Of course, a regular season matchup. Uh, I'm pretty sure USC kind of blew them out of the water a little bit. It was a blowout in its own sense, but I think with Oregon coming a little bit into a bit of a momentum, having a little bit of momentum after their big win against Iowa, of course, USC basically killing Kansas. Kansas never had a chance. It's going to be a very fun matchup to see. Now, it's I think for personally, I think this matchup starts with the guards. Chris Duarte versus Drew Peterson. I think that's his name. Yeah, Drew Peterson I think is going to be the matchup that we're going to be watching this entire game. It's, it's going to be very difficult to stop. It's very difficult, difficult to stop the, the Mobley brothers, but also Chris Duarte on the other side is just as hard to stop.
1: Yeah, USC definitely has the advantage inside. Uh, Mo- Mobley should control the game defensively, but I mean, Oregon wins the game from the outside. You saw them hitting their threes today. They're, they're like 11 and 3 with Will Richardson in the lineup. So they're a different team with him. LJ Figueroa, the St. John's transfer, was hitting some threes. Chris Duarte was lights out, but they, they also gave up 38 points to Luca Garza today. They did win the game, but um, like, You know, that that, the interior defense is a problem for Oregon. So Evan Mobley might be able to control them inside on, on both ends of the court. In a matchup that very few people
0: saw coming, we have Loyola Chicago versus Theo's Oregon State Beavers. Theo, we knew about your LSU Tigers fandom, but now it seems that you have moved on to the Beavers of Oregon State. How do you see
1: this one playing out? um so I do love the Oregon State story but I'll be honest I actually I've been watching them I still don't think they're that good I'm still not bought in um and Loyola Chicago they don't make any mistakes so I'm, I'm expecting Loyola to win but if Oregon State keep, keeps hitting their threes uh I mean they, they have a good they have a chance we've seen it that they're hot
2: they're hot right now and that's what you need at the moment it's the thing is, the Chicago. They're just like a machine almost. Like you said, they don't make mistakes, especially against Iowa. I know they're running at like maximum efficiency, but like, it was so impressive how they were able to both effectively guard Kofi and Iowa at the same time. They were transitioning so well on picks. Whenever, whenever Illinois would try to run a pick and roll, they Cameron Krutwig would read it excellently, and Braden Norris was there every single time. Their defense was off the charts against uh, Kofi and Io, and if they're able to keep that up against Oregon State, I don't see any way Oregon State is going to be able to match that defensively, even though, personally, at the moment, Ethan Thompson is my favorite player in the tournament right now. I still don't think that they have a chance to beat Illinois. Loyola Chicago
0: yeah and just looking down the bracket the thought of a Houston Loyola Chicago matchup is very intriguing because realistically that could be a 50 to 48 game there is nothing (laughs) stopping either team Houston obviously like I said before has had their defensive struggles but you could see almost a football score in that game
1: so, Whatever the most dribbles in an NCAA tournament game is, it's getting broken <laughs> if, they, if those yeah. teams play in the Elite Eight. So yeah. th- the potential of that
0: matchup, but then Loyola Chicago versus Syracuse potentially, that could be one of the hottest shooting teams so far in the tournament versus, like you guys said, a well-oiled machine on defense. So I think Loyola Chicago, I would like where they're sitting. Their two potential matchups, should they beat Oregon State?
1: I like their odds to go to the final four. Well, that's why you have to love Loyola Chicago because you just named Syracuse and Houston, two teams that play completely different styles. And you said both of them are good matchups for Loyola Chicago. (laughs) And it's true. They can play any kind of basketball. Um, They'll they'll come to your house. They'll play your style of basketball and they'll play it better than you. They're just a great team. Porter Moser is a great coach
2: yeah he is. I, I personally think that Loyola Chicago is the favorite right now in the Midwest. I don't see, I think they're the favorite right now because even though Houston is six seeds better, I still I, they' just their win against Illinois was so impressive. It's just hard not to fall in love with this Loyola Chicago team right now and think that they're not going to lose their region if they're able to keep up their pace, that's, that's a big question. If they're able to maintain their defensive efficiency through these next two games, watch out, watch out. Final four.
0: Villanova has made pretty easy work of their opponents so far, but now they face the Baylor bears. Is this the end of the run for the Villanova Wildcats
1: or do they still have something left in the tank with Jay Wright? Oh, I, don't, I don't even think Villanova has a chance in this game. I, I know that might be a stupid thing to say going up against a great coach like Jay Wright, but um, I, I don't know. We saw Villanova struggle at the end of the Big East schedule. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl's great, but um, their guard defense, I think, is la- lacking without Gillespie. And Baylor probably has the best duo of guards in the nation with Jared Butler, Macy Altigue, Davion Mitchell. I mean, they just keep throwing guards out there, and they all can score.
2: I disagree a little bit. I think I think Baylor is still probably going to pull it out, but I think this is going to be an extremely close game, closer than what people think. I think this will be a back and forth battle, especially with Jer- how Jeremiah Robinson Earl's been playing recently. I I know that Villanova's played two easy matchups in Winthrop, and North Texas, but I think that their Jay Wright's still going to pull off some way to keep his team in the ball game. Uh, against Baylor I still think Baylor's gonna win but Villanova is kind of getting hot at the right time and Archie, Archie Diakono the little brother to Ryan he actually is I I think he's been playing pretty well recently as far as defense and bringing the ball up he's a he, little guy. He, he
1: dove on the floor for a loose ball they were up 23 with 10 seconds left or something like that <laughs> and Archie Diakano went full dive across the court for a loose ball that's that just perfectly sums up that culture at Villanova. Yeah, you can't teach exactly. that. That That's the guy you want in your program.
2: Exactly. They're like inseparable, those two brothers. I, you can't mm-hmm. look at them. It's basically the same person. But still, I think it's just hard. And you look at the other Big East tournament, other Big East teams, and it's interesting. Coming into this tournament, the Big East was kind of Uh, looked at poorly in a way. I mean, Georgetown coming in was the favorite for a lot of people to be their upset pick. So was UConn, but then the two top-seeded guys, Creighton and Villanova, were often picked to be a clear upset team, and yet they're in the Sweet 16. It's kind of interesting seeing how the Big East uh, teams have played out so far. Now with Villanova in the Sweet 16 and also Creighton, but Creighton's going to get blown out, even though I want them to win.
0: I think it shows the kind, I don't want to call it disrespect, but Villanova has been at the top of college basketball for the past few years and people kind of, it seemed like they were sick of them. So they wanted them to fail and Creighton hasn't achieved the same level of success, but they've still been in the tournament for a while with coach McDermott. So I think it was just out with the old and with the new, and obviously they've been around the block once or twice. So they know how to get it done. So I think they felt the disrespect for sure.
2: Oh yeah, I can definitely see that. I can definitely they see Georgetown getting all this hype getting a lot of sweet 16 picks. They see Yukon often being picked to beat Alabama. Yukon was one of the more favorite seven seeds to beat a two seed. I think they saw that and they kind of used that as bulletin material and said that they were and used that as a landmark. Uh, motivation piece and they clearly have taken it to heart as they're both in the sweet 16 but now they face off against two one seeds are running like absolute machines right now and it's going to be hard to even come close to them
0: the last podcast we talked about how so many nba prospects were winning their first round matchups and we all expected them to win their second round matchup. And none of them did. Mm -hmm. This tournament is without IO without Cade Cunningham, without Luca Garza, three of the bigger stars this past college basketball season. So I want to ask you guys this when it comes to March, do you want the big name guy Or do you want a team full of, you might not know them, but you know that they'll get you the win when you
1: need to. I want to ask you first, Theo. Um, Yeah, I I think you need some experience because guard plays the the most important part of college basketball. And we've seen a lot of these freshman guards struggle in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I remember I I thought Colin Sexton and Alabama were going to go far. They were a second round exit. Lonzo Ball got eliminated early and now we're – like Anthony Edwards last year, Georgia wasn't even going to make the tournament, um, and now Kate Cunningham, it. yeah, Kate Cunningham out early. So the the star guards, uh, the, the freshmen, they lighted up in their regular season, but it might help to have some junior senior guards once we get to the tournament. Although Jalen Suggs has been phenomenal,
2: and also Evan Mobley out of USC, he's also been mm-hmm. just as crazy. I think a lot of the a lot of the superstar players left our upperclassmen that are taking advantage of their experience and using it to their advantage. I mean, you look at Corey Kispert and Drew Timmy, what they did today or yesterday, and they were amazing. And you look at Jared Butler, and Matthew, Matthew Teague, what they did. And it's also just as, as impressive. A lot of these upperclassmen are trying to reinvent themselves and, you know, make up for their lost season last year and take advantage of what they have.
0: The last matchup we didn't really talk about was Michigan, Florida State. This is probably one of the better games. I still like Syracuse-Houston a little bit more because of how each team is a little bit different. But I think this one could be one of the better games of the tournament. Both teams are peaking at the exact right time. And obviously one of them won't be able to continue on michigan i like a little more and i think that they're hearing the outside noise about the big 10 being a fluke but they were the ones here for a reason so i think that michigan's going to pull through and i'm curious to see what you guys think about it
1: i for whatever reason i just haven't bought into florida state i don't i don't i don't know what it is about them Uh, scotty barnes is good mj walker is good but i just haven't totally bought into florida state um Maybe they can prove me wrong and and give Michigan a fight um, next weekend, but I, I would definitely take the Wolverines in that matchup.
2: I'm also big Wolverines in this matchup as well. I, while their, their showcase against Colorado was impressive, I just don't see how their three-point ability will be able to keep them in a game against the Michigan. I also think Hunter Dickinson is going to kill it against these – Uh, forwards in the Seminoles while Raekwon Gray is a really good uh, defensive forward I still think Hunter is going to absolutely destroy in the pick and roll game and I don't see any way that they're going to be able to stop him and at the same time they have no three point ability at all which isn't something that needs to happen, but especially in today's game, where a, lo- a lot of offenses revolve around the three-point game, and especially against a good paint team in Michigan with Hunter Dickinson, it's just gonna be super hard to get anything going. I personally, just like Theo, think Michigan's gonna roll over Florida State. Even though even though that MJ Walker and Raquan Gray and Scotty Barnes have been playing so well, especially in the paint that was against the Colorado team, which is mostly known, which is, which mostly plays at the perimeter. So it was a good matchup for them.
0: The Last topic I wanted to discuss with you guys. We've been talking about it all show. Is there, uh, not is there who out of the big teams is the next one to fall in either the sweet 16 or the elite eight field?
1: Um. So there's three one seeds left and I think Gonzaga and Baylor make the final four. Um, So I guess I, I, I like Alabama in the East. I think they're just playing a little bit better than Michigan right now. Um, I, I think we might be kind of done with the huge upsets. Uh, Maybe Syracuse beats Houston, but I kind of think I like Gonzaga. I like Baylor a lot. Uh, the, The Midwest, there wouldn't really be an upset. It's, you know, Loyola, Chicago, Houston, so I, I would say I think I – I like Alabama in the east, so I'll, I'll rock with that, uh, Alabama uh, Michi- over Michigan.
2: My upset pick would probably – well, besides, I think Syracuse is going to beat Houston, but I do – I think it's going to be Gonzaga – it's going to be Gonzaga-Baylor probably in the final four. If not, Arkansas is going to pull off a miracle win against them, which is possible – as possible, but it's probably going to be Gonzaga Baylor in the final four. And then if Florida state's able to pull something off, I think they're able to beat Alabama, but I doubt they're going to be able to meet beat Michigan. So I think it's going to be Gonzaga Baylor, Alabama, and probably Loyola Chicago in the final four.
1: I'll give a little love to USC and Oregon too. Uh, I think they pose a bigger threat to Gonzaga than Creighton does. Um, I, Gonzaga would have to play really bad um in, in order for USC or Oregon to win. It, it, Gonzaga is that much better than everyone that you it doesn't matter what you do. You need to play well and have them play bad. So Blue the last to
2: the final four, Blue Jays of the final four. That's my mm-hmm. team.
0: The last thing I wanted to bring up before we go. In our SportsWave bracket group, we have Kyler, who will be on the show Friday. He is in the lead. He is at 92%. X is in second. Ethan Rose is tied with X in third. Theo tied for fifth. And there I am in 10th. Sorry again, Illinois. We will be back this weekend talking about the games again. And then we will have another Wavelengths tomorrow talking about the NFL offseason, one on Thursday, talking about the NBA trade deadline and an MLB preview on Friday. So I thank you guys again, Ethan and Theo, for joining me. Thank you all for listening. And I hope you guys have a great night.